done. Yes. You, you don't have a real phone until your phone get, goes. <laughs> Hello there, Sunrise Town from Cisco. Um, even better. You don't have a real See, phone. So your phone does that. The, the other okay. thing we have that we can worry about is if my stupid fire panel over here decides to get RFI'd and randomly go off for an alarm on Zone Two. It's done that Just twice. Just unplug today. it. No, because I don't want to. I don't know where it's plugged in. <laughs> Wait, what? You you don't know where it's plugged in? It's USB. It's an Arduino. Oh. And I'm not unplugging the USB because I fished that thing in there and I'm scared I'm going to break something if I unplug it. But this is what it sounds hey. like. Um, <clears throat> let me turn my mic down. Oh, God. Um, anyways, welcome to the ERN podcast. Yeah, welcome to the ERN podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, guys. Uh, my name's Cameron. I'm the, the host here. I got... Uh, Gabe, Don, and Anna with us today. Uh, Marley, my co-host, is unfortunately not with us tonight. But yeah, yeah, you so... just said that sound, <laughs> yeah. sound like something bad happened. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. we're gonna be attending. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna be attending attending Marley's funeral next week. Then she'll come back. Yeah, for next week. That, that's that's episode two of the podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining us for the first episode, guys. Uh, it's been a work <laughs> in the making for a while. And by while we mean like three weeks. It's yeah, it's been like yeah, three weeks. three weeks. Yeah, this was a random idea, so hopefully you guys enjoy this. It, it, it it'll be hey, good. Hey, it's not the worst random idea we've had. <laughs> that, I mean, that to be true. fair, ERN was an impulse. <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that went. Yeah. Anyway, hey. so this episode, guys, we'll be we'll be talking about the uh, the Dazdeck three, ooh, and uh, NAB info from that. Yeah. Daz Deck three. It's yeah. Daz Deck two, but worse and better at the same same and time. Then, <laughs> I would actually like I would actually like to bring up a topic. But that yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not necessarily Daz Deck three related. It's actually um NWS Seattle is actually investigating uh, investigating an unforecasted water spout up here. Really? Oh, oh interesting. Fun. Yeah, I'll go ahead and we'll we'll go ahead and talk about that and more right after this non existent intro. Anyways, we're back. Right after and this message from our sponsor. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about that right after this message from our sponsor, Sage Alerting Systems. <laughs> Not actually a sponsor. Anyways. No, 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 no. Uh, Here's an actual sponsor. WACN Technologies. There you go. There's a sponsor. Well, Thank you, you WACN Technologies, for the uh, for the very spontaneous sponsorship. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sponsoring you guys with my presence. Oh, okay. Of well, indeed you are. Anyways, let's get on to the Anyways, let's, let's kick off the uh, the Dazdeck 3. So, NAB kicking off this week. Yeah. 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 It, it, NAB did kick off this week, and uh, Digital, Alert, Digital Alert Systems had a uh, press conference that they held digitally, um, where basically they yeah, were... It was, it was like a podcast interview is what it felt like on YouTube. Yeah, so... And uh, it was, I think it was just like a, like a webinar or something like that, where it's basically like yeah. 40 minutes of them actually explaining what the Dazdeck 3 is and the software and yeah, how the model actually releasing it be. in NAB. Yeah, then followed by 40 minutes of old people arguing about EAS. Oh yeah, but yeah. that's kind of that's kind of bar for the course for NAB. NAB is welcome just full to of station engineers old, in a white, nutshell. Old white station engineers <laughs> bitching about other things like 
my transmitter is better than yours. And that kind of thing. My transmitter is yeah, better so... than your transmitter. Okay. So let's go with I that. I so one let's... megawatt. You only one? Anyways, back to the Nasdaq tree. Um, anyway, so let's let's uh, so we got an article here from SportsVideoTech.com about uh, digital alert systems at the Na- at the NAB show. So uh, at the 2022 uh, NAB show, digital alert systems will unveil third generation of Nasdaq flexible emergency messaging program. More info to come in the following days. So. You guys, I believe you guys have watched the video that we saw oh, on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I, 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 I watched watch it in most of it. Um, yeah, I watched I most of it. I kind of tuned out whenever whenever they were, like, started ranting on EAS. Because it's like 30 minutes yeah. of presentation, then an hour and 50 of fuck just... Oh my god. How do we reinvent EAS? EAS sucks now. We gotta, yeah. we gotta make everybody See? do it our way. One yeah. of the things I gathered from that video is they finally hired a web designer. Yeah, actually. You think you think so? Oh yeah, honestly, it's so much better. Honestly, hot take. I thought it was gonna look different, and I honestly don't like the new look. Yeah, it's the not new great, uh, web interface. Here, here's the thing: they they have some web interfaces on some of their other devices that you can actually go and look up the manuals for, just like on their website. And they were based off the same. It's like the look and feel of their login page, and it looks way more sleek, way more modern. Like it looks quite good. I understand why I understand why they haven't changed it so drastically they actually said in that um, in there that um, they were trying to keep it the same but also new so it's yeah, like kind of kind of keeping with old times yeah. but keeping it a little refreshed so yeah, basically it, making yeah. making it so that people who have set up a dazdek before won't necessarily be lost but they're also refreshing the look yeah so exactly. essentially yeah. in essentially my opinion my, they could have done a better job yeah essentially oh, what yeah. microsoft did with windows 11 they took windows 10 and they changed the borders and there you we go windows it. 11 <laughs> exactly exactly they, they, yeah, they, changed, yeah, they changed the borders and then made your freaking taskbar in the middle, which is so annoying. And I hate it. <laughs> you can... Here's, user. Here, here's the thing. You can make it over to the left. Come on. Yeah, but yeah I know. I immediately did that. But yeah. Anyways, um, so right now we only really have like the preliminary info about how things are going to work. So right now yeah, they exactly. plan on having two models of the DASDEC 3. They have the EL and the EX. The yeah, I thought EL, that was interesting. I was just, I was going to explain what they were. Yeah. Uh, so the EL, the entry level unit, um, is uh, two two channels for e- so it's a two channel EAS slash cap decoder. It's got both models have a four by twenty character mono mono display with a multifunction keypad. They have modular connectors on the back. The entry level has no expansion slot and EES switching is optional. On the expanded unit, that brings you up to four channels. 10-day century, I'm sorry. Beep. And that is why, yeah, okay. And that is why okay. you always make sure your signal's working on your weather radios, people. Yes. No, it's because I'm using it for streaming. Sorry, okay. continue on. You're All good. good. All good. Anyways, um, so the, so the expanded unit, 
or the expandable unit is has it bring that brings you up to four channels um and it also brings you up to three expansion slots so yeah yeah what do you guys think um, of the the dropping see, of most of the models and bringing it down to two see i think it's it, i think it is rather useless because it doesn't add anything on it just makes it slightly more annoying because if you actually looked, they do have those base models, but you have to add on the extra stuff like AES and and GPIO and stuff. And those are still the base model with the plus and then the option. And that's basically what their old model was, like DAS Rad R. I, I can just tell you what that what that DAS is off the top of my head, the DAS Deck 2 radio. Um, it, it's um, radio-based with with the built-in radios. So DAS Rad is their radio-based. They had like DAS TV R, TV um, DAS deck with radio. It makes so much more sense looking at it, at it that way because you can see who's it, who's it's targeting to and then what it has just right off the bat. So see, so the yeah, I think it's an is, interesting approach. Yeah, the the thing about the DAS TV R though that I never really understood is as far as I'm aware. We, we all know who JJ is. We know who the audience of this podcast is. Everyone knows JJ. His Daz or the Daz TVR, from what I've gathered, it that's what I found on the thing when he bought it. But anyways, it doesn't have a C Gen, even though it's a supposedly a TV unit. Well, not all TV not all TV stations use the inbuilt Aztec CG. Most of them yes. go for yeah, mo- most TV stations, parts. including the one that I work at, is uh, we use a, an external one using yeah. serial. But it See, just it kind of strikes me the, as the it, TV the 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 TV. So the from what I have actually read in their documentation, um, the so there's basically two different kinds of DAS decks that you can get because it depends on the motherboard. So you've got the ones that are Intel powered by board. the VIA CPUs and then ones that are powered by the, the Intel CPUs. The Intel CPUs mm-hmm. never have the C-Gen. They basically never do. If they do, they've got a BNC port. Um, yes. And then the VIA ones yeah, always because, have because a... My, uh... Yeah. Yeah, because my uh, my DAS deck has a Intel chip and it has C Gen. Yes, yeah, but so yours has a BNC port though. Mine yeah. has, yours is also uh, mine is mine is powered by the VIA CPU and that one is uh, that one is composite. a composite port on the back of the I/O shield. Yeah, um, but fr- from what I've seen, the actual model doesn't really reflect on which one you get because. You could either get the Via or the Celeron ones, but yeah. honestly, what the model actually reflects is what licensing you have, because the TV license on the DAS is what would come with the DAS TV, because you've got a TV unit, so they're going to give you the TV licensing, and the TV licensing gives you the ability to do like um, serial C Gen. It gives you built-in C Gen if that's available. It gives you like um, remote C Gen like over over ethernet and stuff like the digital chiron uh, the cayman cg graphics gives you all that that isn't in there by default um you need the the c gen package for that or the the tv package for speaking that. of uh 
speaking of CGen, I put it in the in the rundown for this uh, episode. Da, uh, Daz is integrating uh, VIDS, visually integrated display symbology, into the Daz Deck Three. Have you guys uh, read on that? So, um, so yes, I actually did. Um, so VIDS is actually something that the Daz Deck Two did, but not directly. So they're implementing yeah. it directly yeah. now for VIDS compatible CGens. However, the um, However, previously, they did do demonstrations of VIDS with a Chiron unit, um, where mm, basically, yeah. basically, it would pick up the event code from the from the actual unit, and it would basically, it would basically do that kind of symbology. I'm happy that it's actually, I'm happy that it's seeing more of an effect. It's, or it's having more of a uh, impact. I I don't know if TV stations will use it. A lot of them use custom setups with like Everts and. I see a lot of Everts uh-huh. units out there, Chiron, and uh, yeah, what was that? and what was that other brand? Yeah, um, the, the the one specifically that they paired with the Daz deck for that originally was uh, the Shy TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I I think or I'm, they just I'm have not, their own custom stuff. I I'm I'm pretty sure that the actual um, the icon stuff is atsc3 standard for eas uh, yeah, yes. yeah the icons the icons are ATS3, so. atsc3 standard but um they're not necessarily mm-hmm. but the uh, yeah the icons are there but it's also not necessarily going to be a case of all tv stations are going to necessarily implement it because yeah. do you think that stations should have something at least similar to these uh the, or at least, like, in, the, in the same general like philosophy yeah, um, I, I I think they should have something similar. Um, like for example, um, for example, if a station starts relaying a severe thunderstorm warning, something that I want to see along with the scroll is like a little like is a secondary scroll that has instructions on how on what to do in a severe thunderstorm because um, that can oh, like be done idea. within C Gen. A, a great example just processing the C Gen software. A great example was um, is the Weather Channel. Like um, whenever they, uh, whenever they're getting severe weather stuff, if they're doing like a scroll for it, they will actually have not only the event, the area that's affected, but they usually also include. Um, it, it doesn't need to be super like super advanced script. It just needs to be a basic like move indoors, lowest floor of a building away from windows you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah like the basic yeah basic stuff i mean that that's relatively Im- also, easy to implement and, and something else too that i like about the way that the weather channel does it is that um you hear a beep and then it says a severe thunderstorm warning has been issued for our area and like it basically mm-hmm. it tells you it, instead of it saying like it's an effect for the following counties nahomish king kitsap Skagit, it'll actually say it's in our area, and it's pretty much yeah. it makes it feel more localized. How they want to implement it, yeah. I think, yeah, which I think, which I think is great about what they're doing there, because I feel like with uh, EAS or just weather alerts in general, I feel it's important to be able to grab the mind of whoever's listening. And I feel like that's a great way to do it. Yeah, yeah. The goal, the goal is to inform the user, not necessarily fill them with a bunch of jargon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, 
so yeah um so you got so you have the vidsc gen which i think yes it can help especially if say the scroll they set the scroll way too fast like certain stations that i am aware <laughs> of do um but there is one there thing is... i actually did want to touch on is uh the expansion cards that you the expansions cards that you can actually get for the dash three um and, th- and we can kind of and we can also kind of touch on this also kind of touches on Anna's previous point where it kind of feels useless because one of the modules that you can get is two additional monitor monitoring inputs. Um, and you could, and basically you have three modules that you can get for only the expandable model, but the AES module you can get on EL or EX. So for the expandable one, you can get an EIS module that'll give you, that's basically just like a sound blaster. It'll give you a, uh, two additional monitor in and then you have the EXPIO GPIOE which is gives you eight, eight eight additional GPIO pins that you can trigger depending on what event it is kind of like how the uh, like how kind of like how the multiplayer was for the yes. for the two okay. and then mm-hmm. i'm sure it's also going to be compatible with the multiplayer still because it's a software thing but yeah. um yeah. And then you also have the EXP2 NIC gig, which I'm sure you, yeah, basically it adds two additional gigabit Ethernet ports. And they're separate ports. So, yeah. Basically, basically the, DAS3, about, uh... the DAS3 can only have a maximum of three Ethernet ports instead of the four like you can get on some of the OneNet units. Which... Uh, on, on some of the, the... I think it's the VIA ones, you can get om- almost up to five, only four, four supported. Like, five physical ports, only four supported on the unit, though. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Or is it the Intel ones? I don't know. It's one of them. It, it, it is the VIA one. Yeah. There's a, there, there's, a revi- there's a revision of the VIA model that has uh, two Ethernet ports like directly above and below uh, each other. Okay. Um, and you can get the three-port expansion on that one. Okay. Yeah, you can you can see that one in the in the manuals. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, you want Ethernet? I can- we'll give you all the Ethernet. And I actually touched on this. I actually touched on this about the OneNet. Because my, I guess I actually do have a one net, but one net is dying. There, it's going to be yeah, all that away this generation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all that, which makes yeah, the cable um, systems question. because uh, they all chose one. It makes net. you wonder if that's if that's uh, I wonder if, if maybe what I'm thinking is what if there was a more expansion cards on the way that are more aimed toward those cable systems. Oh, likely. Um, I'm sure they'll yeah, have that, that, that is likely. I feel, like, I feel like that will help. I feel like that would help, like I guess, lessen the blow toward cable companies with the with the one net. Yeah, one, like one of the things that I have is um, called the MPEG expansion card, um, and that allows you to just send a MPEG SDI stream out, and um, that make that more compatible with some of the other things that. Oh, you know, yeah. Cable Speaking of which. Uh, what do you guys think about the HDMI video that it's going to support? That's I noticed that cool. on the uh, on the spec sheet. Yeah, I yeah. did notice that too. I don't know um, if I don't think audio about too. that. In the video, they actually it makes talk you wonder about, how you would implement um, that. Well, it, it from what I heard, um, it is basically the exactly like exactly like the old style. Um, the old style C Gen. It's just HD. It's just out of 
HDMI. So they just implemented the old CGen in HDMI. That makes me wonder if it'll be widescreen. Yeah, that's what it I was probably thinking. Will is because if it'll it's be HD. widescreen. Oh, okay, that'll be um, interesting. The resolution. You ready? If for it's sending a 1080 signal, probably. It makes you wonder, wonder if they're going to have the um, old C Gen style, or if they're going to reformat yeah, what, the. Uh, are they going to? I mean, it would be pretty. Finally. It would be. Pre- it would be pretty easy to do it, but judging by the way how the C Gen actually works, I don't think that's how they're going to do it. Because the way that they do their C-Gen right now, they are still limited by the multi-page function. I mean, yes, you can use, like, FFmpeg to get scrolls and stuff, but... Which um, makes you I'm, wonder if they're going to somehow u- utilize the uh, VIDS in some way yeah. with so, the C-Gen so, built yeah. in. Um, yeah, because they did mention one thing yeah, that. They, they did mention that. In, in in the video that they posted, one thing that they were talking about is right now, apparently the DAS 3 can only do full screen override over the HDMI, but they were talking about the possibility of adding in a scroll system directly into the DAS units. I have no idea how it's going to look. I don't know if it's going to be the... It might be the a VDS directly bi- Yeah, it might be chroma yeah, key. Like it might be the VDS directly signal. built in. That would be neat. Well, yeah, it makes you wonder with with the expansion card. I guess you would just have to drop a new card in to be able to get that functionality. Drop a card in, get a software update. Yeah, get like a key and fill card where it has two SDI outputs, kind of like how you could use a a black magic design card to do key and fill signals. Yeah, speaking Um, of software update. Yeah, there's version Version five. We touched on this earlier. Um, So version five is going to have the biggest redesign in DAS history. And by biggest redesign, I mean they changed the background to white and they made it look like it was the 2000s instead of 1998. Yep. Also, <laughs> it's 64-bit, which leads yeah, me... And apparently their DAS units since 2014 have also been... Uh, have supported 64-bit, having a 64-bit CPU, but they have been running a 32-bit OS this entire single... this entire time running either... Um, Red Hat or Fedora. You can just look up which one you're running. I think the older the older ones use. No, 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 no. no. The newer ones use uh, CentOS, don't isn't it? Yeah, CentOS yes. six point nine. Yeah, precise. But nice. It like it, it leads me to the question: what what has happened to have them wait that long? Because if, if they've had the ability to bump up to 64-bit back in 2014, why haven't they? Well, I think it's it makes you wonder if it's something to do with the with the uh, like the other boards that make the well, DAS deck. So the DASDEC, I like think a, here, so. Here's okay. here's the thing. In that video, they actually said that units past 2014 are supported by 5.0, which is a 64-bit OS. It, they'll have no problems running it. So, so my thing, my thing is, uh, my my act- the question that I have actually is, um, I think they they're switching from thirty two to sixty four bit due to RAM limitations. I think the DASDEC is probably going to have more than four gigs of RAM. Oh, uh, what about I, I old units it. though that only have like one gig? Uh, if so, if it's past twenty fourteen, maybe they have higher RAM count. I'm not sure. But maybe it's just disabled in the OS. Yeah, because it, or it perhaps, 
or or perhaps the uh, you, like for example, they're they're upping the RAM for the future, and that so that you can have better features that maybe you that may use more RAM, but they might leave the older units in the dust. Uh, okay. Um, speaking it's of for future expansion, uh, so back back to the whole point of um, of the uh, model uh, units. I did notice one thing in their graph where they were showing where each unit gets mapped to the newer units. They did not map the EOC models. Is there going to be a new EOC model, or are EOC are, are the EOCs just going to be locked into DAS two, basically forever? Um, because honestly, they didn't make be is, uh, a DAS three EOC. What I, what I honestly think with that, since it's all like a modular design, maybe it's like like everything else in in the DASDEC universe. It's probably just another software key. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it's going to be a software package for the DAS three um, EX. Yeah. But um, according to Daz's page on the EOC, the EOCs are supposedly more secure than a normal Daz deck because it is quote-unquote EOC grade, which makes me, it leads me to believe, is there any difference at all at this point between a normal EOC and a Daz that they're they're comfortable bringing the Daz deck 3 into EOCs, or was it... um, or is the DAS the deck three DAS. going to be EOC grade? See, if I had to Which guess, would be very interesting though, because I guess uh, I guess with with the DAS two, I guess because my station, I'm sure we all know, had their DAS deck uh, accessed remotely, and funny enough, my station was the one that sent out the zombie alert well back when. <laughs> oh yeah, for, for, for so maybe context, maybe during... uh, Cam- uh, for context for those who don't know, Cameron works at Care TV. I do. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah I guess so I mean, I, I, wonder... I guess I mean context. I mean, um, I mean context for kind of work. I don't work in the. EA, I don't work in broadcasting. I I am a IT. I'm an IT service desk technician at Bungie. Nerd. Um, I'm so <laughs> I'm sure we're all nerds. Yeah, I, uh, but I I'm an enthusiast. I I am a programmer for a. Um, a startup called The Rights. We do music licensing stuff, but um, I and do I'm a volunteer. <laughs> but I, I do volunteer at um, WXRWLP, so I get to play with their DAS deck all the time, which is a Intel unit, uh, DAS deck two LP, I believe. Which makes you which uh, speaking of like Intel and all the different types of LCR, chips in this, sorry. it makes you. It makes you wonder what could happen in terms of what am I trying to say here? Where it's uh, it makes you wonder if they're going to try to use a different chip style. Maybe who knows? Maybe the dads could run on ARM. I guess we won't know. Oh, I think a lot of things you know Don. are switching. That's ah, all good. And it looks oh, like Don has returned. Yeah. Okay. We'll be all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Well, oh, it could so, be worse. Don, we were just talking about um, what if uh, the DAS 3 moved to maybe a different type of uh, CPU architecture? Like, what if it was running on ARM? You know, so many things are moving to ARM. Don, would, uh, ARM um, would actually definitely be cost-effective in this case. 
It, it would, yes. I mean, look at uh, look at um, Sage. Sage runs on arm. See, yeah, but to be fair, ancient arm. But for context, for <laughs> well, yeah, no. Um, for context, for those who don't know, I actually I want to say it's digital. I've cracked it open. I know where it runs. It's basically an 1822 emulated on an FPGA, controlled by a controlled by a uh, SOC daughter board. That's basically basically one third of a Raspberry Pi that controls the. It's weather. an old and ass I... spicy Raspberry Pi. But yeah, yeah, and it's also and, red. And I run and it runs Linux. Yep. And I run a, a one net SE. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I also have a OneNet so, SE. Here, here's here's my take on that. Yes, it would be more cost effective on the hardware, but they'd have to completely rewrite the software to handle the new architecture. Not necessarily. It can just be recom- or re- recompiled. Reco- I mean, yeah, yeah, but they're already doing that for V5, and that and they actually did the two old like two versions for whichever one you had because that's how they did it. That's how they deployed version three. Because version three works on the Nasdaq one. Yeah. So they had two different binaries, one for the Nasdaq two and one for the Nasdaq one. It wouldn't be the first time they'd done that. Um Spe- speaking of yeah, uh, version five, is, at, is there anything that we're hoping for at the same, in that update? At the same time, I I think ARM is great in this, but also um I think that they have just a lot, a lot of infrastructure already backed on the, the architecture that they're using. So um, they're not going to want answer, to move to something new. To answer Cam's question, Cam was asking, uh, is there anything we were looking forward to in V5? Um, I honestly look forward to the reduction of license keys. <laughs> um, if they fair. do that. I mean, I won't. We won't be able to. We won't be able to tell until we find out. Until it, it makes you wonder. It, it makes you wonder or, if uh, expansion cards uh, are going to be like hardware keys. Or um, tomorrow is actually when they are starting to. That's tomorrow is when AD, NAB officially starts. So perhaps yeah, we'll we're be recording this Saturday video. night for. Yeah, recording we're recording this on, this on the twenty-third. Sunday the twenty-fourth is when NAB actually starts. Um, and by so, the time that this episode it, is up, we're hoping it'll be up on the 25th, but we'll leave something imagine. in the description for anything like that. Hopefully we'll be covering more information next week. Hopefully by then Marley would have risen from the grave, but you know, imagine if, um, if they say that they're going to reduce license keys, but they actually increase them. So it's like whenever version five gets released and like. Yeah, Gabe. Gabe gets it, and Gabe and Cam get it for for their units, and they install it. And it's like now you have twenty billion license keys. You need a license key per button. You speaking of buttons? We need a license key for the single button on our front panel. I mean, to be fair, I never (laughs) use the damn thing. So, oh, speaking of buttons on the front panel, let's talk about the front panel where they moved both the lights, the speaker. Added a new light and a shit ton more buttons. <laughs> speaking of the speaking of the light, what do you guys think of the new three light style? Eh, I think the uh, two light I, style I worked to, perfectly fine. I need to fine. get a better look at the front panel. You know, okay, there we go. So the the three light style they have, I believe it is set up so it's one for power, one for alert receive, and one for alert send. 
So yeah, it's uh, it's the the exact configuration is power. So it's red, it's green, yellow, and red, and it is green for power, yellow for pending alert, and red for alert send. Yeah. Which I kind of like that idea because I've because I've noticed in operation of mine, I feel like sometimes like if I turn around and look at my one net, I'm I have to look at it for a little bit longer than I'd want just to see if it's receiving or sending just because of how the the alert light works on yeah. that one. So that might be interesting to see how that works. out. Realistically, you shouldn't actually have to check your unit. It should just work. But it, it is fair. DAS we're talking about. In a in a perfect world, yeah, it is that. Um, yeah, yeah. Like on my digital, it's uh, incoming alert, outgoing alert, attention tone, whether or not the units in automatic mode and digital audio lock. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I feel like with the, the automatic mode, the, the, the auto- three... automatic only really gets traffic whenever it loses loses internet connection. Attention tone happens whenever somebody plays a solid tone over any of my monitors. Digital audio lock has no use for me because I don't use AES. Maybe I'll have to send an attention tone for like an hour and see what your sage does. Oh, it, it, it yeah, just stays I'm not on monitoring the entire you directly. Time. But yeah, it would stay <laughs> on the end. Actually, I'm getting in what right now. Okay. Um, um, so, now, New Hampshire said a demo a couple minutes um, ago. Uh, How do you think that they're going to use their new color screens on the EX model? Is it a color screen? Yes, uh, the EL model is a monochromatic um, 20 by 4, and the EX yes, model is color. color. Yeah, it's huh. got a color display. Now, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how that's going to be implemented. Yeah, hopefully, so hopefully far, tomorrow at will be we'll be able to see that. Yeah. So far, what I'm, what yeah. I'm thinking is they off. might be able to use it to... Um, to show, I, I don't know if they're going to do monitor, monitor statuses on the front panel, it, and if they do, they can kind of emulate what they're doing in the um, in the web interface. Where with the web interface, it does this on the older units as well. Where if your radios or monitors have a low input, the inputs will show up red. If they're kind of um, yeah. Oh, like if they're low-ish, they'll be orange, or if they're or yellow, or if they're slightly high, they'll be yellow, and if they're just right, they're green. So they they could um, they could do that if they have like six monitor inputs Maybe on the front, like a, they can like have a them real be time, red, yellow, and green. Like a real time, kind of like an uh, easy meter. Kind of like an easy plus. That would be pretty cool. Be cool, kind of bringing back something from the past. Yeah, Th- this is the first time that. Um, that Daz will have the same amount of character real estate as Sage and Easy, or Sage and the previous Trilithic, now Viavi. But we don't talk about the Easy Cap here. <laughs> we'll have another episode on that eventually. <laughs> eventually. Yeah, whenever we feel like talking yeah. about the Easy Cap. So, yeah, so speaking of EasyCab, actually, earlier I know we were talking about the DAS and what processor it ran on. The the EasyCab is powered by Intel Celeron. Yep. Um, and that explains a lot. If we want to talk about uh, interesting units, we can talk about the EasyCab and then the, the Gorman Redlick. Which runs on Windows of anything of all things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Emma, who works at CIVL in Canada, had to recently 
she's looking for a new unit because their Gorman Rudlick box up there is failing constantly, so much so as they have contacted uh, Gorman Rudlick support several times and haven't really gotten any help. So, see, I've I've also contacted Gorman Rudlick support multiple times, and they just they don't really have a support department. Yeah, I think it's one dude. Oh, so Daz has an amazing support department. Um, I've oh I've yeah. called Daz before, and like um, for example, whenever Ari first got um, her um, her WDFA slash cap machine, um, we did something in the settings that made the unit not want to get into the web interface anymore. I don't remember what it was. But we did something to get in, get into a state where it wouldn't get into the web interface anymore. So we called Daz support, and even though we're enthusiasts and we we can't really pay them or anything, they helped us anyway. They were super kind, super amazing, like over the top support. And I, I wish that yeah. that was more commonplace. I mean, look at Sage. Especially Sage's support is equipment. basically one person, and it's Harold Price who just helps you out. Um, the yeah. ad support is phenomenal. Um, I have yet to seen Trilithic slash Viavi support get me anything. Um, um, I've talked to this guy. I think his name is uh, Michael Campbell. Mm -hmm. He is Hold the on. Trilithic support dude at Viavi, and he is amazing. He, I've, I asked him. A couple of different questions about the easy gap, like how many counties it can have, etc. Yeah, and he responded promptly and gave me what I asked for. Yeah, I uh, so I actually I, speaking of support, I had to contact uh, Daz like a like Anna was saying, but I had to contact him because I'm I was uh, having issues uploading WAV files for test audio, and it that, that was probably the honestly that support was so quick I was surprised myself especially for a company that does as much as Daz does because you know they're not the biggest company in the world either mm -hmm. yeah and they really yeah. they really do put customer service first which I think is really nice and I feel like definitely a lot more companies should take notes the, on that the way like yeah oh yeah put customer service first I I well, won't argue with that one my main thing is like yeah, they put customer service first, but they also charge you for the privilege of having that customer service. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you need to pay it. Like, say if your say if your Daz came with the C Gen, but you don't have a license for it, you're kind of you kind of you kind of just have to pay them. Like, hey, I would like to use the hardware that yeah. I already have. And, and I believe the, I think the C Gen the C Gen license. Yeah, isn't it like is five hundred bucks? It's like five hundred to a thousand dollars now. Um yeah, it's something yep. ridiculous. Which is absolutely insane. It's yeah. ridiculous for a composite port. For a a frame buffer command. Yeah. Yeah, because it's literally which makes, just you, which makes right me wonder the what they're gonna do with the uh, with the HDMI on the on the three. 
they'll probably do the same thing where they just have the analog video out thing just be digital video out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was wondering on how they'd actually do that, and it, if you think of it in it, since they're running Linux, a digital video out is the same as an analog video out. There's still a frame buffer there. You can still write to it. So, is it the same way? It'll be interesting. Probably. I mean, yeah. It really uh, just depends. They, it's it depends all. It, it all depends. We won't Hopefully, be able to see it until we get a unit. Yeah, and speaking on that, uh, the people in that video, I forget who, well, what, what the guy's name is, he said that this unit might possibly launch in, I think, June, he said? It's uh, Q2 Which, 2022 was the date. Yeah. So um, speaking of they asked him for a unit. specific month, and they said around June. So that'll be speaking, interesting. I'm yeah. also... Speak. Go ahead. Uh, prices might, uh, they were saying that they might talk about prices at NAB. So we, we don't know how much the units cost right now, but uh, at NAB, we're going to find out. Yeah. Um, I honestly might, if, I mean, if it's only going to be two models, I feel like the prices could actually be pretty good, especially since they're not having to worry about producing, what was it, like 15 different models? Have, yeah, you don't have to worry about producing a bunch yeah. of models. Um, Yes, we can get any unit. Um, there, there is that one kid. So yeah. So uh, I don't uh, know if you guys were. I don't. And it depends on. So, I think all of us inside in here knew, but just for the audience, um, there was a, there was an individual so, uh, in the ERN chat who actually got a response from Daz of getting a review unit. Uh, actually, I I managed to talk to them a little bit more. Um, the the kid, they were they weren't actually getting a review unit. They were saying that they could be the first to review the unit at NAB. However, since we're talking about a kid here, probably not able to travel uh, across the United States into the middle of Vegas. So I'm that's not, probably I'm not, not really going to sure happen about it because it's because uh, Adam the. Uh, the person at Daz that commented on it and said, "Review the product on the first of May." So that could be um, interesting too. I don't. We'll provide. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. We get more info. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I would. Yeah, on the usual channels. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that that will be interesting is well. If if uh, if a young kid in in the general channels can get a DAS unit, why? Uh, what about ERN? Maybe we could get a, like a review unit, send it to Gabe. Um, yeah, and I was even thinking about this. Gabe has a DAS, and DAS is their uptrade program. Yeah, you're not wrong. I could probably uptrade it up to a two, up to a DAS three. The the only thing is. How much would it cost? Yeah, to get that up. I, I can. Judging, I can definitely get a get a hold of Daz and ask them. Judging by the interfaces on the back of the Daz three. Hold on, I need. I need to take take a double look at the rear of the. I know one of the uh, the major differences is, uh, I believe it's Ethernet for audio. Um, yeah, it, it uses RJ forty four connectors. Yeah, so it's not, uh, it isn't actually. Yeah, it isn't Ethernet. It's it's just uh, audio over RJ45, which basically is literally just 
instead of it being terminal blocks on the back, they just mapped it out to pins on an RJ45 connector. Which is which is nice because I feel like a lot more stations are moving to that type of format of wiring. Well, not only not only that, it's just better. It's just better cable management. You don't exactly. have to worry about you don't have exactly. to worry about ripping the wires out of the terminal block when you put the Tazdek in. Who knows? Maybe, maybe this will be the thing that helps stations start moving to audio over RJ45, or maybe even better audio over IP, depending on how they, depending on uh, if they get how the AES implemented. model. Exactly. Because gotta remember, the AES audio in and out is also through Ethernet or through uh, RJ45. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how they implement that. Speaking of uh, implementing things, is there anything that you guys want to see Daz try to implement that they haven't talked about into the, like, maybe the software? Um, since they have the front um, panel, I would front panel, front, actual proper front panel origination. Yeah. Yes. Um, that, proper front panel how origination. Is front panel going to have? Um, I would also like to see um, more monitors off the off the bat because um, with, with the LP unit that we have over at, at WXRW, um, we only have two two monitors and they're sticking with the two for the low end unit. Two isn't enough, um, especially in some EIS like, plans. Yeah, w Wisconsin by default asks for I think almost four. Even for yeah, LPFM. Yeah, don't they have you monitor the PEP, the LP1, yeah. and NWR? PEP, LP1, NWR, and um, they had one other one. I don't remember what it is. But um, basically, no, no, they, they recommend you to also monitor the, um, the LP2. They say if you, have the, if you have the ability or you have the ability to get a unit that can, we highly recommend that you do which that's four monitors off the bat so i guess it varies state with, with state on what they want yeah with with our unit at um, wxrw we are required to monitor oh, sorry we are required to monitor the pep and the lp1 however i would like weather alerts severe weather such as um, severe storms and tornadoes and stuff can happen around here but our unit does not have not the ability to receive those alerts right now, except relying on other stations that may or may not carry them. And, and, they, may could, and, they, and they also yeah. may have reduced audio quality compared to the yeah. reception they could possibly get. It, so, it, it makes me, it makes me sad makes... to see that Daz is still sticking with those two monitors because mm -hmm. you, they, they did say that even on the lower the lower end model, the ability for those extra it, it already has the radio three and monitor four there. You can see the ports on the back. The only thing that they're missing is that extra sound card that allows those to run. Like so far, everything we've seen, those are sound blasters. You can buy those off the shelf. So like yeah. for yeah. like twenty bucks. So why do we need to pay probably another $1,000 for the EX model, or maybe 2000 I don't know. Why do I need to spend that much more just for those extra monitor monitors? Why can't they make like an EL for two and then like an EL plus 
for four monitors, and it will just be like, Whoa. I don't know, a hundred more. Yeah, and just having the ability to having having the ability to monitor more than four on an, more than four things, or, or even just having the ability to monitor more than like three or four things on a unit that costs less than three thousand dollars makes that's what makes the sage really appealing for radio stations. Is because yeah. especially in radio stations that don't that need like at least four monitors because the sage comes with six. The end. Like if this, yeah, that's one thing. The that's one thing I will give to Daz is that the sage. Yeah, it's old. You don't really get like they, they can. They're still very useful. In fact, my sage has been cranking away since February of 2022 and it's relayed at least 10,000 alerts. It's yeah. It it really like cranks. It. it really cranks cranks along and. It's software and it's hardware from 2005. With just they just been releasing software updates, no license keys required. Like I, if I wanted to turn my unit into one that run, works with Alert Ready, I can do that. I would like I would like yeah. to see Sage to have a unit that has built-in radios though. That would be amazing. That would be very yeah, nice. but yeah, because I, in the past they didn't have. Of, in the past, they did have the Sage receiver, and I'd, I'd love to see them bring that back with a revised yeah, yeah. version, maybe with a web so, server that integrates with the digital. Yeah, so and, that's, digital and, tuning. and that's the one thing that I actually like. So I, I am actually going to counter, counteract that because, because um, yeah, if you, that's one thing that if it had the Sage had built-in radios. <laughs> The gotta keep in mind the Sage Digital is an FPGA of the eighteen twenty two that can have a maximum of six monitors and a serial in. That that can't really change very easily unless you want to redesign the FPGA, or at least how the FPGA is to, being programmed to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So the way that the way that I would do it is that I would have a Sage receiver because I would much rather have the option to use a radio but not have a radio take up a monitor if I don't want to use a radio so like for example Mm -hmm. I can't pick up Cairo 710 Cairo 710 just sounds like ground static so if I want to monitor the stream on monitor 1 I I can plug that in on my stage if monitor if monitors 1, 2, and 3 were radios then I could try turning to 710 or, for example, um, or yeah, I can do weather radio, but I only have two stations in my area, and the radio stations that I can pick up reliably don't really much. And then I just only have three yeah. monitors left for ancillary monitoring that I want to do for either if I'm alert chasing or for required relay program monitors. So, mm-hmm. and that, that's just more of an enthusiast perspective. I mean, if you, want, you guys want to contribute with like yeah. radio and TV stations yeah. perspectives, go right ahead. Um, one thing that you could but do also, is do it like um how, but, well actually if you look at it, Daz actually did it the similar way because if you look at the Daz interface even on the older units you had the ability to swap between baseband, and and radio, um baseband actually but works the radios are still fairly simply. There. Yes, um the, the the way that the way that it works is um. 
baseband input is done on the microphone input on the on the motherboard. So if you plug in a stereo microphone input on the motherboard, there's your baseband input. However, it also gives you the ability, let's say you put in the left channel on that baseband input, um, let, let, let's say we put on ear and cap. And let's say I wanted to mo monitor Cairo 710 on one of the radios. You can do that. Like, you can have your, your right channel monitor radio be on Cairo 710 and your your left channel be baseband input for ear and cap. That works. I would like to see more more uh, manufacturers do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. my 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 thing is like if I if the radios don't need to be there, then why am I paying for them? Mm -hmm. That's my thing. Like I'd much rather pay for, for the radios that I'm going them. to use. I'd much rather pay for the radios that I'm going to use, as opposed to it just coming coming through the radios and just taking up space. You know. Maybe if if it yeah. was like a, like who knows? Maybe maybe like uh, moving back to DAS. Maybe uh, with the expandable parts of the of the DAS three, maybe that could be an option for. You know, like those for the low cost stations that only get the, uh, the uh, entry level one. Maybe oh, we need to monitor. You know, but you know, of course, with well, you got to keep in uh, mind entry level. The there's EL, no expandable. The EL, yeah, there's no expansion. You pretty much kind of. Yeah, I think Daz kind of missed out on that. I think yeah, that I think, I think, I think that both uh, model. I think that both models should have had. Uh, here's here's the way I would have done it. Both, uh, I would say you only have one skew, and that's going to be your da just the Daz deck three. You'd only have one skew. But yeah. but you can but the you can still have the EL which doesn't which has expansion is just not populated or the E or the EX where it has populated where it has some of the expansion ports populated and maybe, ma and maybe like what based I would on done what, that, what your needs are mm -hmm. you can have it made to order or users can purchase the cards from Daz and they can install it themselves. Yeah, I guess the or thing they with the, the expandability yeah. parts of the... Here, here's another thing. Why, if, if they can lock... If they can lock C-Gen and they can lock all these other things in, in software, why can't they just include the audio card in hardware for all the units and just lock the radios in software so it's a license key? They do it with everything else. Like, it would make sense. Because then they don't have to make two different units where if you want to upgrade your unit, you have to send it back to the factory. You don't have to do that. You can just, hey, I want to add more monitoring ability. All right, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your unit number? We'll send over a, a, um, a license key which allows you to expand this without ever having to temporarily get rid of your unit. But I feel you, like in you the have long to, run, you have make to think. it cheaper for Daz to produce. Yeah, yeah. And you, you've got to think. Um, if somebody wants to upgrade this, they have to send it back to the factory to either get a new unit, switching from the EL to the EX, or getting, if they have an EX, getting more monitors, that, that requires them to send it back to the factory to get a hardware upgrade. If it already has that, then you won't have the downtime of that unit having to be shipped the way to the factory because it, it's already there. You just 
type in a few characters and it just enables. If if they do it with they they do it with CGen, they did it with um, with Ethernet ports. Um, they do it with certain cap features. They do it with um, serial. They did it with like US. Did they do it with USB? I think they did it with USB. No, they didn't. Uh, uh, oh, okay. No, no they, they did not. No, they didn't. They did. That wasn't a license key. Uh, USB serial was part of since the USB serial protocol is for C Gen. That was part of the TV features. Um, but what about uh, like newsfeed? Uh, that's part of um, TV features. I think that might have just been. A... I think the whole news serial package was under TV. TV. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Okay. Anything um, because think about it. Uh, controlling of a C gen is you're you're gonna want to you're gonna want to have control of a C gen if you're gonna be a TV station. You don't really need that otherwise. See, I'm I'm surprised that someone at Daz hasn't made a flowchart of all of the license keys and what they add. I, I'm, I would not be surprised if it if it is there, but just internally. That um, would make sense. Hey, we could we could just toy around with with uh, Gabe's unit or Cam's unit to make the flowchart ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Experiment. Um, also, yeah, speaking I... of of things we need to try out, we need to try out TDX because they were pushing that in the thing. I actually never knew what TDX was until they were um, talking about it. And apparently they're trying to push for legislation to get TDX be included in National Weather Service. Uh, not Part 11, but National Weather Service. Uh, I think okay. they were actually talking about Part 11, but they said that it isn't actually, they weren't thinking it would be required, but they would like for uh, people like uh, the NWS to send TDX for um, making sure that uh, let, let's say a child abduction emergency was issued for the state of Montana, right? Um, mm -hmm. Normally how it yeah. would work is let's say Montana uses both NWR and CAP. So a CAP alert would go out immediately saying child abduction mm -hmm. emergency has been issued, here are the details. But then Station shortly after the NWS is going to go off. The NWS is going to go off with the exact same message. But the issue with NWS is their transmitters um, will issue the alert at the moment that it was issued, so the exact timestamp it was issued, along with um, the counties of that transmitter. The individual, yeah, the individual counties of the transmitter, which means that let's say the original event code was sent for all all of Montana, and you're monitoring three NWR stations or no weather radio stations. That means that there's Those a possibility you're going to send that alert. Yeah, you're going to send that alert four times. Um, and because yeah. they have different counties, according to the DAS deck, they're not the same yeah. alert. It's going to be sent again and again and again. Um, TDX yeah. allows you to, um, to send a burst of data right after the headers and attention tone, I believe, that say this is a unique identifier that only gets applied to this alert and it gets applied to it over NWR over 
EAS over CAP. It is a universal oh. identifier for the alert. So using so that, like their ID. NWR stations can still individually send for every single county and for a different timestamp. But as long as they sh uh, cap EAS and yeah, as long as they share that identifier in that message, which also includes um, extra data like the text data. So if you you can build almost like an RDS decoder to just scroll it on certain radios, um, but. You, you can also like program in links to, so like if you have a smart radio in a car, you can program in links to have it show up um, images on the screen. But using that, you can have it only send the alert once, a unique identifier for that alert. So it will never be sent again. It will just be matched as TDX says that I've already sent this alert. So don't send it again. So it's basically and like a stronger it gets added in that detection. It's a stronger duplicate de detection and it's a built-in data transmission system. So you can do like text data and stuff, which mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. We need to play with that. And yeah, yeah, I think that I feel like they're pushing for that to be a standard in EAS, but the way that they've done it, the way that they've done it, I, I think it's actually configurable where it actually sends the TDX data. Uh, not entirely sure. Um, but I'll have to, that, that, uh, I'll have to see it, if uh, I have TDX yeah. on my DAS. Mm -hmm. I'll have to see if I have that on there. Knowing your DAS, does. you probably do. <laughs> yeah, I probably do. It might, my, 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 yeah. my one net is pretty beefed out. I just don't have like cap send or anything like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so uh, mine, basically, you'd have to I'll, get I'll a, check and see uh, it, but... You'd have to get an EAS, EOC unit for that. E yeah. Even even or if you, you ask, uh, that's really nice really nicely. Yeah, I, I have a I have TDX on mine. Mhm. Mm so maybe really? we'll, maybe maybe oh, we'll really? just have to play around with it. Yeah, I have a hey, okay. you, you can, okay. I have a you can do we'll, data we'll sharing take, between. Let's, let's take that. Let's take yeah. that offline. Yeah, well, let's uh let's uh tinker around with this and maybe we'll have to get back uh, on another episode and uh, follow up on this maybe in a, in a month or two from now. Well, yeah. yeah. Is, is, there anything else, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about that has like three? Because I kind of want to go to the other subjects here. Because yes, we do actually. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we've kind of got through most of it. I think we'll have to follow up. Uh, let's let's follow up uh, whenever our next episode is. We're uh, not sure what our here, upload schedule is going to be. Maybe every maybe bi-weekly, but Here's your Dazdeck 3 summary. It's like the Dazdeck 2, but better and worse in, in various ways. The way on we to the next subject. Episode, yep. <laughs> yep, on to the next Alright, so let's look at the ne next one we have here is uh, falsified storm reports for a tornado caused a tornado emergency on the 12th of this month. Caused multiple. I think it caused. I, I think it caused. Yeah, it was like four. Yeah, yeah. That's what I heard. I think I heard three or four. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. and, interesting. Um, and because of this, as a result, Spider Network has disabled their manual reports through the website, so they now have to be all done through a client like Radar Scope on your mobile phone or laptop mm -hmm. which honestly i think that should have mm -hmm. been done in the first place i think uh, yeah that that should have been done in the first place because yeah. i will admit i have been the victim of their stupid website 
because back June of last year, I was trying to report a wall cloud that was literally in my backyard. And I thought I had dragged the little pin marker, and I didn't, so I ended up reporting it probably about 70 miles away from where it was. So that it, they, they did away with the website, which I'm happy for, because no one else can fall for that and also people can't exploit it like what happened on the 12th Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so so yeah there you have falsified tornado storm reports and then on the west coast we have a we have a a unreported water spout (laughs) yes so yeah you were telling us about it before the uh, before we started recording this episode Yes. So, uh, up in Seattle, um, actually, specifically Lake Samisher slash Bellingham, um, I, I'll just read the event summary from the National Weather Service. Um, this was the update that they posted on the 19th. Um, at, 7 p- at 7 p.m. on the evening of April 18th, a weak water spout was reported on the eastern shore of Lake Samish near Bellingham in Whatcom County, Washington. Video evidence confirmed the water spout. The water spout resulted in damage to three boats docked on the shore of Lake Samish and other minor damages. The, this event will be classified as a water spout, and not a tornado, given the rapid dissipation of the water spout as it came on shore. Therefore, it will not be given a tornado warning or tornado rating on the EF scale. So originally, when the water spout occurred, a lot of news outlets were were uh, questioning the National Weather Service not issuing a tornado warning, nor assigning it an EF scale, EF rating. And now they're kind of well, I can they see the EF a... rating just because it wasn't. They didn't issue any warnings or like advisories it, it, regarding the water spout. The water spout, ooh, I would say, I it think kind it of only snuck under the radar. Less, it's out of less than less than three minutes. So I don't think I don't believe I don't believe that it would it would be enough to trip radar at that time. Um, yeah, because yeah, usually so scans have, only come every few minutes. Yeah, so you have yep. on one hand you have false a false a falsified storm report causing a tornado emergency to be issued by the NWS. Multiple, in fact. And then the other hand, you have an unwarned water spout that, if lasted longer, could possibly have been a tornado. Yep. So, the, mm-hmm. so in both cases, the NWS did kind of drop the ball, but I understand it for the water spout. The tornado emergency, however, which office was this? That's... Uh, Little Rock and Memphis. If it, so it was two offices that basically... So, okay, here's the way I'm looking at it. it yeah, the the reports could have been accurate. Yes. But I still I would still take a report like that with a grain of salt. Well, I mean, the thing is, the, the reason they put so much trust in those reports is because the area where those reports were sent for there's a very big radar gap in that area so there's not a lot to go off of and mm-hmm. from both exactly. radars that had even a little bit of coverage in that area the reports looked valid because they lined up with what was being shown on radar and it, it was showing all of the necessary signs that you would expect to come with those reports Especially well, from far away. Yeah. 
Yes. At that point, at that point, I would have probably, I would, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. In the, in the, if I was in their shoes and I saw that report come in and it was kind of like a radar blackout or it was just a not in that just radar dead zone, yeah, I probably would have issued it, but I would also probably waited for something. I probably would have waited for some more substantial evidence. You know? Yeah, and honestly, you know, I would this not. Whole thing could have been solved just by having another radar in that area. Exactly. Um, now, if honestly, I was, I think if I was a supervisor over there. Yeah, if I was a supervisor on that shift, I would not have allowed the issuance of a tornado emergency. I would have capped it at PDS because you mm-hmm. just don't know and you don't want to cause that panic in people when you aren't entirely sure. Yeah. Honestly, if you're going off I would have done being If you're going off um, more for a decision like that, you are doing something wrong. And that's exactly. that's my opinion. At, as as a as a storm spotter in my in my opinion they have ways to reach out to storm spotters they have made yes. those ways clear they've got twitter they've got amateur radio they they can call you they can email you they've got several ways to communicate to, to spotters and i know there are spotters in that area um there's spotters everywhere so in my opinion what they should have done is Whenever they started getting all these these flood of reports of a tornado, you could have easily they, they could have easily just reached out to the spotter saying, "Hey, confirm this. I want to hear your yeah. take." Because they treat they train you as somebody who is trained in now both Milwaukee and Arkansas. The one of the things that they train us is the difference between low hanging clouds and actual tornadoes. In this case, it was. Mm-hmm. Low, low hanging clouds and rain which I, I looked at that and I went that doesn't look like like the first time I saw a photo of it I looked at it because it was trending on Twitter and I was like that's one weird tornado I've never seen a tornado like that it looks off something's wrong about it and if if somebody like also the videos that I've seen of it there weren't much there, there wasn't that much or any rotation that I saw um, yeah. So it's like if, if the NWS went to their communication routes and said, all right, spotters in this area, people who are trained to look for this, is there rotation on that storm? Is there an actual funnel on the ground? Is there debris? Or um, is it not rotating? Is it just a low cloud? What is going on there? They could have easily done that. That would have cleared it up very quickly. And that would have just probably just gotten a severe thunderstorm warning. It wouldn't have been, mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been a tour. There wouldn't have been a, a tour C, PDS, uh, tornado emergency. That wouldn't have been necessary because they could have just reached out to the spotters and say, hey, what is going on there? Is there rotation? They, they teach you, especially in Arkansas, really good lessons on rotation. Uh, I attended yeah. two separate classes in Arkansas. They teach you, well, I, I'm not sure about eastern Arkansas, but in western Arkansas, they were really firm about the rotation. And, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that, that, that would have been my course of action. A, a radar right in that that dead zone would be amazing 
but that costs a lot of money to implement and a lot of infrastructure versus just going hey spotters the people that i trained you to see what it is can you get photos can you get videos can you tell me what you're seeing they train the eye the the the, yeah the they literally that's what they they called the spotters in spotter training we are the nws's eyes on the ground so yeah use those eyes don't rely on on a whole bunch of flood of reports of quote-unquote tornado and the little wisps on your radar like radar and and storm reports are amazing but you have spotters as a resource for a reason use it yeah yeah so yeah i will definitely agree with that likewise yeah um so yeah like you that's like i think it's just a good lesson in general like if you have a resource use it don't be afraid don't be afraid to double check like the worst thing you're going to do is waste somebody's time I don't, and that somebody's time could be at the National Weather Service. That some person's time could literally be a spot, literally being you calling the wrong spotter. I mean, you yeah. have you have your resources, radar scope. As far as I, I I'm not actually never used radar scope, but I believe radar scope literally tells you the location of most spotters that are registered on there. Yes. Um, so, yeah. fun fun fact about spotters: whenever that um, warning was. Um, uh, extremely whenever it was tornado emergency they actually had spotters in that in in that area going where's the tornado like on twitter like taking photos of the low link low um the low clouds and saying i don't see a tornado where's the tornado the nws could have looked at that that on twitter if they're saying if all of your spotters in that area are going where is the tornado i don't see anything think that's saying something oh yeah yeah i think it was definitely an interesting kind of like more one-off situation that could have been prevented hopefully i uh, i hope that the nws learns from this in a mm -hmm. really good way like i i hope that they see that that spotter thing um i also hope that they crack down on spotter training because i know that um, from what I've heard, there are some offices that their spotter and training are kind of like, here's a tornado, here's a severe thunderstorm. You see them? Good. You're now a spotter. Like Grand Rapids? <laughs> they didn't yeah. even issue me a certificate. They just said, come to this training for an hour and a half, and oh, uh, hey, now you're how, a spotter. Uh, that's how great right, so actually, too, honestly. So actually, I um, somebody brought up at the recent training that I did for, for Milwaukee, and they said that um, spotter certificates aren't a thing anymore. And the reason why really? is, yes, because people are moving all the time, ha- keeping track of a spotter certificate between multiple offices and keeping a database of everyone, having to update that database all the time whenever somebody moves and relying on that spotter to actually t- tell the office, hey, I've moved. I'm no longer in your area. Um, Which I they, think is a bad uh, The NWS has opted like to cause... get rid. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's NWS a I think it's a bad option. 
I think it's I think that could have been what could have caused this issue honestly because there was no way to verify mm-hmm. which I think is a which I think is a massive downside to the whole you know have well I think it's a whole culmination of everything that was going on there like especially like no radar like you know NWS getting rid of certificates and such like that I feel like you know th- those were there for a reason in the first place I don't know why we got rid of them mm-hmm. all right well on that note I think for the sake of the fact that we've been at it for how long <laughs> um I think oh, just okay. over an hour maybe an hour I think about an hour 15 minutes so yeah let's uh yeah wrapping up the episode uh We'll have to we'll have to follow up on uh, the Dazdek three once we get more information on it. We'll have to we'll we'll probably have a whole episode dedicated to the follow up. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, yeah, I think uh, we could yeah, probably hopefully. talk about the three for hours. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, we well, could, that could be an entire podcast on its own. <laughs> yeah, just the Dazdek three Easily. podcast. Here ends Anyways, I want to thank you all on this ad next week coming soon near you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I want to thank you all note. for listening to the to the ERN podcast, and uh, we will see you in our next episode. This is uh, Cameron. I'm your host here with uh, Anna, Don, and Gabe. Yeah. Yo. But yeah, that's same bad time, guys. same bat channel. <laughs> <laughs> yep, see you guys later. <laughs>